With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, Griffin Youngs, and this show, as always, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt, but will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter, regardless of who it is. That's right, that is 100 to 1 odds on either fighter to win. That's $1, you win $100. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. But don't worry if MMA is not for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. With the Stanley Cup playoffs coming up as soon as next week, if you want to get yourself even more invested in the action, DraftKings is the place for you. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So we really are just winding down the season at this point. We've got two more games in the books and three still left to play, and not a whole lot has been settled or even really moved around in the West since we last spoke. Everything's pretty much been status quo. Vegas has won their last three, the Avalanche have won their past two, and Minnesota has won their past two. So Vegas still with a four-point advantage, and Colorado still just one point ahead of the Wild for second in the Western Division. But first and foremost, the Avalanche finish their road trip to L.A. to play the Kings on back-to-back nights and rattle off two consecutive 3-2 wins over the Los Angeles Kings without Nathan McKinnon 
in the lineup. He sits out both the games due to a lower body injury, or I'd, just, I'd prefer to call it lower body maintenance. If this was the middle of the season, he would definitely be playing, but since we're so close to the playoffs and they have full trust in this team to beat the Kings without McKinnon anyway, it really didn't matter all that much tonight. So they get the job done without him. These games just were dominant for the Avalanche, even if the score doesn't necessarily reflect that. Overall, the Kings had better goaltending in this series with Cal Peterson in both games. He is a very underrated goalie in LA as Cal Peterson. He is, if he played in a bigger market, he would get a lot more attention. But since the Kings are, let's face it, bad, he's just not going to get that attention in LA right now, at least not until they get better. But the Avalanche, they got the job done despite Peterson's play in net and their own mediocre goaltending in net, we can call it, because that's what it's what it was. It was it was okay. It wasn't great. Grubauer in the first game, he was wasn't great. The Kings muster 17 shots. The Avalanche's defense in these two games were outstanding. And we'll get specifically to some names there in a second. But they hold the Kings to 17 shots in this first game and just both of the goals that the Kings scored, the first goal of the game, two minutes in from Brendan Lemieux, just a juicy rebound that Grubauer should be taking care of every time, and the same with Gabe Velarde in the third period to make it a one-goal game. It just seemed to be uncharacteristic from Grubauer to be letting in goals like that. Like It's not like they went five-hole or he just missed them. Like They were bad rebounds that the goaltender should be taken care of every single time because the defense did their job in this game. The defense could have just taken the night off and just because it's late in the season and you want to make sure you rest. No, the defense was great in this game. Even without Sam Girard and Bo Byram in the lineup, even with a, a pairing of Jacob McDonald and Patrick Nemeth, I mean, Devon Tays and Kale McCarr especially in these two games held their own. More than held their own, they they looked elite, like one of the best D pairings in the NHL. And when we talk about the Norris conversation for McCarr, you show these two games as examples of what he can do. I know McCarr isn't perfect with his defensive play yet, and that's why I ultimately think he won't win the Norris this season, just because he still has those defensive warts and, like, defensive breakdowns where he just misses people going by him sometimes but when it comes to his just pure talent it's undeniable he is outstanding every single time he steps on the ice and th these two games were some of his best of the season and not just him Devontae's like in the second game scoring two goals alone makes makes you look pretty good but his defensive play as well was just as impressive but they didn't get a ton of help from their goalies tonight. And if they if they didn't show up for Grubauer in this first game and for Johansson in the second game, then we're probably talking about losses in these games. Like, let's say the Kings get up to 25 shots. I'd bet at least one of those goes in. Not to say, and I'm not saying they played terrible. Don't misinterpret me. I'm not saying they played terrible. They were just okay. They were good enough to get the win. And that's what matters. They were good enough. But I worry about next time, like obviously Monday against Vegas. I worry a little bit about Grubauer. Maybe this is a one-off. 
I hope it is, but there's just something missing a bit with his play recently. He comes back against the Sharks. He has the shutout, and just ever since, like, yeah, a lot of the goals he's given up weren't necessarily his fault, but, like, his last three games, 852 against the Sharks, 909 against the Sharks, and an 882 in this last game against the Kings. Like, if he if he's not showing up against Vegas with a clear head and ready to go, it's it's going to be an uphill battle for the Avalanche to to take that win. And you carry that into the playoffs, you're, you're going to be in trouble before they even begin. So if this was the middle of the season, I would probably not even be talking about this. But since we have three games left, with the next one being the biggest one of the season against Vegas, and probably by this time next week we might be playing a playoff game, it's just... I guess it's just in my nature to be a little bit concerned about an, a mediocre performance from Grubauer in this game. I know I'm starting off talking about a win a little negatively, but the Avalanche were dominant in this game. They dominated from puck drop. Miko Rantanen scores his 30th goal of the season. Tyson Jost, top line Tyson Jost, by the way, replacing McKinnon on that top line. He, it's great to see him get rewarded for all the hard work he's put in this season, even if it's nowhere near a, a tryout or anything like that for Joe's, just to see him get rewarded with top-line minutes while they're giving McKinnon a rest, is, it's, it's great to see. We gotta protect Jost in the expansion draft. He's really proven himself in the second half of this season, and he gets rewarded with a goal in this game too, just staying hard on the puck and following it the entire way. His fifth goal of the season, I mean, he's just gotten so much better as the season's gone on. It's great to see him getting rewarded. That would be his second goal in back-to-back games and his first goal in quite a bit since March 29th against the Ducks. So he'd gone a minute without a goal there, and I think come playoff time, Tyson Jost is going to be a lot more productive. I know he's not a goal scorer and it's unreasonable to expect him to turn into a consistent goal scorer. It's a two-way game is much more his speciality. But I really liked his play recently. And you can you can just scroll through his game log and see his minutes slowly start to increase. Now I know these two games are outliers because he played on the top pair, but you can see he's getting more shifts. Bednar's trusting him more and more. And even when McKinnon comes back, which is hopefully for Monday against Vegas, I hope we see Jost put right back with Nichushkin on the third pair or whatever the whatever pair Nichushkin's on at that point. Jost and Nichushkin are an excellent pairing, and whoever they have on their wing, hopefully Donskoy, is... It's, that's a very solid third line for this team. I really, really love what Tyson Jost has been bringing as of late. He He deserved those first line minutes and he deserved the goal that he picked up in this game and halfway through the game Kale McCarr his seventh goal of the season but most importantly Alex Newhook with his first NHL point he plays in both of these games against the Kings records the secondary assist on the Kale McCarr goal in the first one his first NHL point in just his second NHL game great to see 
he's going to be sticking around at least the rest of this season. I don't know about the playoffs. I don't know if that's an experiment you try out in the playoffs once you're fully healthy. But next season, I don't see how Alex Newhook is not the third line center for this team, honestly. I really just don't. I don't see how they keep JT Kompfer after this season. And even if they do, I think they move him to the wing and put Newhook up on the third line to play him with whoever you have at that point. This kid's really, really good. And he's eventually going to take over for Kadri at that second line center position, probably as soon as the 22-23 season. Kadri's contract expires after next season, and it would just make sense to me that you put Newhook in the third third line role next season if he proves himself to be ready. If he has a if he doesn't prove himself, don't do it. But this is just me predicting it. That would make sense to me. You put him in the third pair role, you let him get NHL experience for a full season, and then you plug him into a top six role because just you're probably not going to have money to re-sign Kadri. But I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself with the new hook conversation, but just great to see out of him. He torched it in the AHL in just the eight games he was there, over a point per game. In the World Juniors, he was a point per game in six games. In Boston College, he was 16 points in 12 games. Like, this kid is a stud, and we were... We were very lucky to get him at 16th overall in the 2019 draft. I mean, considering when he went, considering some of the guys that went before him, I know Cole Caulfield went at 15 before him, which maybe you'd prefer Caulfield just because he might have a higher ceiling than New Hook, but that's a whole other debate. Considering a guy like Victor Sodestrom and Matthew Boldy that went before. New hook at 16. We def we definitely lucked out a bit with this pick. I mean, this kid's really, really good. I don't think I can say it enough. I'm very excited to see what the future has in store for him. I'm very excited to see what he can do against Vegas on Monday. I assume we're going to be playing him against Vegas, and I really want to see what he can do against a, a high-caliber team. Even if I don't know if they play him in top six minutes. For that game, since I assume McKinnon is coming back, I'm not 100% sure on that because the McKinnon injury doesn't seem like it's like it's an actual injury, more of just like he's banged up a little bit and we don't want to risk it. It seems like if if they care about winning the West, they'll play McKinnon, and I assume that they will. I mean, I hope so, but if that happens, New Hook's probably getting bumped to the third line maybe maybe do you because I know in his first game they played him with Kadri and Burakovsky even when McKinnon was in but that was against the Sharks so that's not Vegas so I'm interested to see what they do with that I hope he plays at least on the third pair I hope he plays first of all I don't see any reason to take him out of the lineup especially when we're still dealing with injuries but I, I really like what the future has in store for this kid. Just 20 years old, he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him, almost certainly as the Avalanche's second-line center of the future. But getting back to the two games, I mean, this, this first game, dominant for the Avalanche. Second game, dominant for the Avalanche. These two games are almost like carbon copies of each other, not in terms of just score, but just how much better the avalanche looked than the kings i mean the kings just looked kind of done 
to me. It like they, they were trying. This, this what it wasn't like they weren't trying, but it's they understood that they're they're done this season. They're well out of the race. They've been done for about two weeks now, and there's really just nothing left to play for but a but a paycheck at this point. And for the younger guys, I mean, playing for spots for next year, but. Their season's done, and you could just see it in their play. We've had we've had tougher games against the Kings this season. Not that they compete with the Avalanche in any of those games, but they've played us tougher this season. This like there was not a ton of resistance outside of Cal Peterson in either of these games, but the Avalanche they still impressed regardless. I mean, they com- they completely shut down what little the Kings were doing. And that's why I was a bit frustrated at the goaltending because really both of these games should have been shutouts with how well the defense was playing. I mean, I don't want to rip on the goalies too much just because we got the win. I'm going to wait until after the Vegas game to make any kind of judgments on goaltending going into the playoffs. Like if Grubauer plays great against Vegas, I am fine going into the playoffs. I, I am feeling great. Cup favorites, we're done. If he if he struggles against Vegas or even just looks okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sweat a little bit. I'm I will be completely honest. I will sweat a little bit if Grubauer does not play well against Vegas on Monday. I mean, I, I mean maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe he just got bored in this game. I mean, 17 shots on goal. I mean, the obviously like I believe it was the first or second shot on goal went in for him, and he was pretty good after that for the most part outside of the the Velarde goal in the third period. I mean maybe he's still just trying to shake off some of the rust at this point. I mean maybe it wasn't easy for him being on the COVID list a few weeks back. So again, we've got 3 games left to figure it out. I assume 2 for Grubauer depending on just the result of the Vegas game. I assume if they win the Vegas game, which he will certainly be playing in, that he will start at least one of the Kings games. I mean, maybe he starts to, I would, I would doubt he starts too, but if they care about winning the division, I mean, I assume he'll play the first game of that back-to-back. And if, if it all comes down to winning that final game against LA at on home ice for taking the division, the difference between playing St. Louis and Minnesota in the first round and, potentially having home ice against Vegas in the second round. Do you risk putting Johansson in there and risk that? I mean, Johansson's been good, though. I mean, he wasn't great in the the second half of the back-to-back, but he was good enough. I hold Grubauer and Johansson to different standards because they're completely different players with completely different expectations. I mean, Philip Grubauer's going to be getting Vesna votes at the end of the season. I mean, I don't I don't even I don't know if he'll be in the final 3 but he'll be on some ballots this year and Jonas Johansson like we're thrilled that he's above 900 after we got him from Buffalo essentially we're we're plenty happy with him being what is he at like a 923 during his time with Colorado right now that's better than I ever could have expected with him even if he was meh against the Kings on Saturday but Again, like, I don't think they would start Grubauer two games in a row right before the playoffs. Like, I don't know if it's that important to them. I mean, when you take Nathan McKinnon out of a game, 
you're pretty much accepting the results of that game. If you win, great. If you lose, then oh well. We knew what we were getting into by taking McKinnon out of the lineup, but I wouldn't think they would start Grubauer twice. We have two games left of Grubauer to see if he can shake off the rust, to refine his form, or what, whatever the issue is with him recently. We'll find that out soon and see if he can fix that before the playoffs. But it, it, it just all comes down to this final game against Vegas. It, it will pretty much determine our fate. I mean, if Vegas wins, it's over. There's no possible way we can catch them. I mean, there is, but that would require the Sharks beating Vegas, which isn't going to happen. So if, if we lose the game to Vegas on Monday, then the division race is over. We play Minnesota round one, and we have to hold off the wild because they're still nipping at our heels because neither of these teams just ever loses anymore. Vegas is 8-2 and two in their last 10. Their two losses have come from a one nothing loss to Arizona and a blown lead against Minnesota, so that hardly counts. And Minnesota is 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. They've only not gotten a point in one of their games recently. They just refuse to lose anymore. Vegas, we, I mean, we saw it on their 10-game winning streak. They lost a fluky game to Arizona, and they blew a fluky game to Minnesota. Like, they're doing just fine. So we're not going to get any help from the rest of the division, but... The clinching scenario in the West is simple. If we win out, we win the division. Anything less, we finish second, assuming we hold off Minnesota. I mean, we could go back to strength of schedule. Vegas has two games left. They play the Avalanche, obviously, and they play the Sharks to finish their season. The only thing we can do with that is beat them and control our own destiny here. Minnesota has two games left, both against St. Louis. And St. Louis has played some entertaining games against Minnesota this season, so I'll assume those are splits. So let's just look at the standings. So Vegas, assuming they get their win against the Sharks, 82 points. And the Avalanche, they're at 76 points right now with three games remaining. The best they can do is finish with 82 Minnesota is at 75. They have two games remaining. The best they can do is 79. St. Louis is not even in this discussion. They're at 57. It's so funny looking at this division. The Vegas, 39 wins. Colorado, 36 wins. Minnesota, 35 wins. And then you go to Vegas, or I'm <laughs> Vegas, St. Louis at 24 wins, 11 less than Minnesota, and nearly 20 points behind them but Vegas their season maxes out at 84 points that would also assume they beat the Avalanche so if they went out they clinch but let's assume the Avalanche beat them and Vegas can finish with 82 points at that point the Avalanche would be at 54 games assuming they win that and they would top out at 82 points as well I assume they would have the tiebreaker yeah, they have the tiebreaker right now with regulation wins. Vegas is at 29 regulation wins, and Colorado is at 32. So even if Vegas wins their game against the Sharks in regulation, it does not matter. We own that tiebreaker no matter what happens. So if we tie with Vegas, 
which can only happen if we beat them, which would also give us the season series edge, so we would have just about every tiebreaker, the Avalanche would finish first. Anything else, the Avalanche finished second. If they, if they, even if they beat Vegas and lose one game to the Kings down the stretch, it won't matter. We finish second. There's no room for error down the stretch. You can win in overtime, but you can't lose in overtime. You can't give up a single point. And Minnesota, like I said, they can top out at 79. So if the Avalanche get four points, if they win two games, they clinch home ice in the first round. If they win one game and Minnesota loses one game, then they also clinch home ice in the first round. So it's it would take it would take a lot for the Avalanche to be starting on the road in the playoffs, especially as playing against Minnesota, that might be tough cuz they've been very very good at home at 21-5 and 2. But yeah, this season's winding down now. I mean, you look around the league, the playoffs are are pretty much done. There's one spot remaining, and that's in the Canadian division with Montreal. And it's so stupid to look at. Montreal is at 57 points. They're the only team that hasn't clinched. And Calgary is at 49 points. Calgary is still eight points behind them. But because Calgary still has four games to play, they can technically still catch them if the Canadians lose out and Calgary wins out. So... Everything else has been locked down. I mean, the West has been locked down for a little bit now. St. Louis clinched like last week or a few days ago, I believe. Arizona just fired their coach today. They're they're done with Rick Tockett after missing the playoffs this season. And St. Louis obviously locked in the fourth at nearly 20 points behind Minnesota. But Vegas has clinched home ice in the first round. So even if we do pass them, there's no way Minnesota can pass Vegas, so they're locked into at least two, but we are locked into nothing right now, as we've been talking about. We've got to, we still have a job to do, and going back to the Nathan McKinnon conversation on if he'll play, I think he will play against Vegas, but it just depends on how much they value this race. I mean, Vegas has been doing the same thing with Max Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty hasn't played since the last game between Colorado and Vegas. And maybe they both, maybe Pacioretty plays and McKinnon plays just because it, this is for the division. This is what it's all been about. And I really, I just, it's just my opinion. It doesn't seem like the McKinnon thing is that serious. It just seems like little banged up. Why risk anything in, against the Kings? If we lose one of those games, okay, then we're not playing him against Vegas either. So I assume he would at least play against Vegas, assuming it's not that bad. If it if it's anything that can be made worse by playing, I don't want him playing. But if this is just maintenance, let him heal up a little bit, but he's ultimately fine to play, then he should play. Anything else, do not play him. Do not play with anything that could get worse before the playoffs. And it's, that's what seems like Vegas has been doing with Pacioretty as well. Again, it's like we talked about last episode. It's just how important is winning this division overall? Because from what I've gathered, I'm in, I'm in the minority when it comes to wanting to play St. Louis instead of Minnesota in the first round. I still want to play St. Louis. I think Minnesota is better. But it has less to do 
with who the Avalanche play, and more so that I want to sick Minnesota on Vegas, like I talked about last episode, because Minnesota is very good against Vegas, and I want those guys to beat the crap out of each other in a playoff series while we deal with St. Louis. Yes, St. Louis has played us tough all season long. I mean, I say all season long, but six of our games were in April, and they were all one-goal games. If you take away the empty netters in those games, they were all one-goal games, or at least for the Avalanche wins they were, but I don't know where this, like, fear of St. Louis came from. Like, they got, they got hot for a little bit. Like, they beat Minnesota twice, and they beat the Avalanche twice, and people were like, oh, man, I don't want to play St. Louis anymore. Like, you look at their last 10. They're still 5-2-3. and three. Like, yeah, they they got healthy, but, like, Arizona was never going to make the playoffs. They're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. They were never going to be good enough to make it. And the Blues still have a losing record. There's no way they can have a winning record before the end of the season. Now, their points percentage might have them over 500, but they're t- right now they're 24-20-9. So they've lost 29 games and won 24 of them, but because we count overtime losses as half wins, they're above 500, I guess. But I think that's ridiculous. So they have a losing record right now. I'd rather play a team that literally has a losing record than a team that is 7-1-2 in their last 10 and is 35-14-5, one less win than the Avalanche. Yes, I know we've played Minnesota very, very well, this season, when we played them on home ice, we absolutely stomped them. But I'd much rather play St. Louis. Not because it's easier. I mean, St. Louis is still going to be a tough opponent, but like I said, more so because I want Minnesota to play Vegas. I think that's a fun matchup if if you're an Avalanche fan to watch those teams go at it. And like, I, I don't want to play like the only like team of destiny this season because I don't get any of those vibes from any of the other teams in the league right now other than Minnesota. It just seems like Minnesota is enjoying playing hockey right now a lot more than anybody, and you see those teams really do well in the playoffs sometimes. So I don't think we need that in our life in the first round. I'd rather Vegas deal with that and figure out if Minnesota is for real or not, and I'd much rather play Jordan Binnington than Cam Talbot right now. If, if nothing else, I would rather play the goalie who last playoffs had, what was it, a top five worst performance of all time in the playoffs and was replaced twice in that series against Vancouver, rather than Cam Talbot, who is having an incredible resurgence in Minnesota. But And the Avalanche, they still control their own fate. Like I've said, they win out, they win the entire division. It doesn't matter what Vegas does against San Jose if we beat Vegas— we're in a pretty good spot. Then we got to win our back-to-back against LA, which we should be able to do, considering we just did it, and on the road, no less, without McKinnon. Who knows if McKinnon would play in those games anyway, but we're still in a good spot here. I mean, you should beat Vegas going into the playoffs. If nothing else, even if the division wasn't on the line anymore, if Vegas was too far ahead, you should pick up a win against Vegas going into the playoffs. I mean, you look at the Avalanche's record, against the other playoff teams since April, ever since they cooled off a little bit. They went 1-1 one and one against Minnesota, the last one being an 8-3 to three loss. And they left a bit to be desired against St. Louis. 
a little bit with the two losses to end that six-game series against them and the 5-2 to two loss against Vegas. Now, obviously, I know no Rantanen, no Grubauer, but it'd be nice to have a, a good quality win going into the playoffs because it, it just feels like we haven't had one of those in a while. I mean, the two games we won against St. Louis on the road, the first two games in St. Louis, yeah, those were nice. I mean, I don't know if I would call them like true quality wins. They The team still struggled a bit, and they were able to get out of there with the win. And St. Louis is the bottom playoff team. Like, I feel like we just haven't had a true, like, quality win ever since the 5-1 to one win against Vegas on March 25th. So if you can do that in Vegas, no less, not like beat them 5-1, but just beat them. Beat them in regulation. That's another thing I, I hadn't even considered. If you take If that game goes to overtime, I'm pretty sure we're screwed. So we have to beat Vegas in regulation too. So... If you can do that, pick up that quality win and get those two points as well, you're going to be in a pretty good spot, and that's going to be some positive momentum that you can carry into the playoffs as well, no matter no matter you're playing Minnesota or St. Louis, because ultimately I don't care who you play. I've said this before. I know I just had a whole spiel where I would rather play St. Louis, but if you put Minnesota in front of me, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be afraid of them. I mean, the Avalanche should not be afraid of any team in this division, not even Vegas, because they're better than them, even though they don't always play like that sometimes, and they still leave some to be desired when they step on the ice. When the Avalanche play their best, they are better than Vegas, and they're definitely better than Minnesota. So I'm not afraid of any of these teams. So I don't care if it's Minnesota put in front of us, but that would mean that we fell short probably against Vegas or I would ra- If we have to play Minnesota, I would rather it be because we lost a game to the Kings because Grubauer's not playing and McKinnon's not playing and whoever else isn't playing, rather than we just couldn't beat Vegas one more time. So even if we beat Vegas and don't come out on top in the West, I don't care. I just want to take that momentum from the Vegas game into the playoffs. I don't want any doubts going into the playoffs. I don't want to lose the last two games in Vegas like we did last time. And you just need that momentum. If nothing else, you just need to get that momentum into the playoffs just to feel good about yourself, not feel like we've just been beating up on all of the the worst teams in the West like Vegas was doing earlier in the, in the season. But I'm just saying it would be nice to have that win, that good quality win before we head into the playoffs but going back to the Kings games just this is this is like the midpoint of the slog of the season we're gonna get a real roller coaster game on Monday against Vegas I mean I assume it's going to be a good game between two good teams but six straight games against the Sharks and Kings and they win five of them they lost one of them I gave I gave them one game that they could lose and they did so Hopefully they get the job done against Vegas. I think it's going to be a very good game. I th- if I have to predict a score, it depends if McKinnon's going to play. It also depends if Pacioretty's going to play. But mm, I would go with a three to two for Colorado. I think I think they will win, even though Vegas has been playing really well as of late. I think they can just muster up a bit more energy. 
they've they got their rest a few weeks ago and now they've got their legs back under them and it's time to really start to pick it up. I think they will get up for this game. If McKinnon plays and Pacioretty plays, I think it it might be a really close game right down to the wire, but I think the Avalanche are going to get the win in regulation. And I, I still think they're going to win the division. Like I, If they beat Vegas, they're in a good spot. All they have to do after that is win two games against the Kings on home ice. Yes, it's a back-to-back, but LA's got nothing to play for at that point. Like, they don't hate us, so they're not going to actively try to screw us. Like, they're not going to try extra hard just to try to screw the Avalanche. Like, I'm fairly certain they hate Vegas much more than they hate us. So, it, it all comes down to this. I can't wait to see what that game has in store for us. And it's going to be a good little preview as to what the Avalanche are going to look like in a week's time. This is the the biggest game of the season, and if it's a flop, then I'm going to be a little worried going into the playoffs, honestly. Because if you, if you don't show up in this game and Vegas just cruises to like a 4-2 to win and just clinches the division like that without a lot of pushback, then yeah, I'm going to be a little worried about the playoffs. Like, was the whole... Was, March through April, really just a hot streak at that point. I cer- I certainly hope that's not going to be the case. Like, I didn't like their their third period against Vegas in March. I talked about that. I The Minnesota games, I really just write off as, like, this team is exhausted and hasn't had a break in forever. And uh, I don't... I don't know if there's a fair way to judge those games coming out of the the COVID break because they're still missing a lot of key guys. Vegas had a pretty big break up to that point as well, and they were just much healthier than we were. So this is gonna this is gonna be a fair assessment of the team. And if they if they show up in this and put on a great performance, I'm gonna feel really good. If they don't, I'm not gonna feel great heading into the playoffs because. Maybe I'll feel fine against playing Minnesota, or in this, it would be Minnesota if we lose this game. I'd feel fine against them. I'd see no reason as to why we would lose, but going up against Vegas in the second round, because I assume they're going to beat the brakes off the Blues, I wouldn't feel very confident going into that if you can't even show up in this game on Monday. But that's a whole conversation. I'm just, that's a whole conversation for next episode. Let's at least have this game done and dusted first before I get too down on the team for something that hasn't even happened yet but yeah this season is just it's winding to a close I think it would be done at this point if it wasn't for all the the COVID movements like that believe their our final game would have been against the Kings on the 8th would it not and yeah I mean this this Vegas game was the one moved because of the the St. Louis game and so were these two Kings games so We'd be done right now if it wasn't for the COVID pauses, and I believe if no other team had COVID pauses, we'd be probably looking at the playoffs on Tuesday for just based on how it goes in a normal season. How are they going to do the play? How are they going to start the playoffs this season? Like, I saw some report that an NBC commercial said the playoffs were going to start on Saturday the 15th. I don't know if they mean that for everybody. I mean, there's there's some teams, I believe, that don't have to play a ton of games down the stretch, and like a three-day break between the playoffs would be reasonable for them. Like some teams, some teams I think are already done. Like a team like Pittsburgh is done. 
they finished up on Saturday. And who else? Is, are there any other playoff teams that are done? No, most teams have one game left. Like, the entire Central Division has one game left. And how many of them are on Monday? Carolina and Nashville. Wow. That's pretty... Just looking at the upcoming schedule, Carolina is playing Nashville in their final game of the season. They play each other in the playoffs. And Tampa plays Florida in their final game of the season. They play each other in the playoffs, so they're going to get sick of each other real quick. But I can see, I can still see Saturday being a thing. I don't, I don't think they would make the Avalanche play on Saturday after they have a back-to-back against the Kings on Thursday. I mean... Just looking at the the Blues and the Wild, how many games they have left. St. Louis has three left, if I can find their schedule and pull it up real quickly, assuming the Avalanche win out and play St. Louis. So St. Louis plays Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So they'd be in the same boat as us, so that would be ultimately fair. And Minnesota's in the same boat. Okay, so Minnesota also plays on Thursday. So I can't imagine that they would make the West teams play on Saturday. Maybe Sunday, two-day break in between, but I, I just don't see why they need to rush it so quickly. Like, I want the first set of games to be on the weekend. I think that's a good idea for the NHL in terms of broadcasting. I'm just speaking purely from, like, what's best for the teams. As a fan... I want the playoffs to start on the 15th and 16th, have like a a March Madness style day where you have hockey from 12 to 10.30 that night like they did last year in the bubble. That is fucking excellent, and they need to do that again. But I don't think the Avalanche are going to play on Saturday. I don't think they would give teams a one-day rest before they go into the playoffs. It would be at least two, but you got... You'd think you'd give them a little more time than that, though, right? Like, at least three days? Like, would we start on a Monday? I don't... I'm thinking we're going to play our first playoff game on Sunday the 16th. Both Minnesota and St. Louis are in the same boat as us, no matter who we play. So, it's going to be fair, regardless. It's not like we'll be going into either series at a disadvantage. But... Yeah, the 16th seems like that would be right. Just in terms of broadcasting, I think the the playoffs should start on a weekend anyway. In a normal season, they really shouldn't be starting the playoffs on a Wednesday in the middle of the week. They really need to put games one and two, which is which is peak hype of the season, by the way. There is no bigger hype than games than game one of the playoffs. Even like the Stanley Cup final at that point. At that point, if your team's not in the Stanley Cup final, you're kind of tired of it at that point. Like, it's playoffs have been on for two months at that point. Like, you're just used to it. But game one of the playoffs is the maximum hype of the season, and you should not be putting that in the middle of the week. That should be weekend, all-day affairs. Do not, do not do what you do in the regular season and have done so many times in the past and start playoff games at the same time. Please don't do that, especially on the weekend. Please start one game at 12, the other at 3, others at like 7 and 10.30. Do that. It's such an easy solution. I I will be mad, actually, if they don't do that this season. After seeing how well it worked last season and how well they could keep people's attention all day long, they better be doing that 
for the playoffs this season. But yeah, looking around the league, like like I said earlier, playoffs are pretty much done. We even got matchups falling into place already. You got Florida and Tampa Bay guaranteed to play each other. Carolina and Nashville guaranteed to play each other. Good for Nashville coming all the way back. Like we were talking about them blowing it up at the deadline. They storm back on the back of UC Soros and make the playoffs. In the East, it's pretty likely it's going to be Pittsburgh and the Islanders with Washington taking on Boston, but Boston and the Islanders are playing each other on Monday, I believe. So if the Islanders win that and the Bruins lose their last game of the season after that, then it would be Islanders, Caps, and Penguins, Bruins. But odds are it's going to be the way it is now. You look at the North, Toronto clinches the North. They're they're going to play Montreal. And Edmonton-Winnipeg seems pretty likely because Montreal just isn't very good, but Winnipeg's been worse lately at 2-8. I hope we don't go all this way and we then just get robbed of Toronto-Montreal in round one. Instead, we get like Edmonton-Montreal and Winnipeg-Toronto. I mean, they'd they'd be fine series, but Edmonton-Winnipeg and Toronto-Montreal is just way more interesting. But Montreal is the only spot not locked up. But these look like they're going to be what the matchups are. And, I mean, the West is, like, the least certain, I would say, at the moment. I mean, St. Louis is obviously locked in the four. But there's still some movement to be made here. I don't think Minnesota is going up past that three spot. There's no way they can pass Vegas. And it would take a, a collapse on the Avalanche's part to not get at least four points. And Vegas... and Minnesota would also have to win both of their games against St. Louis, which they can do, but just with how evenly matched they've been recently, I'd give them a split. So a lot would have to go right for them, and a lot would have to go wrong for Colorado there for that to happen. So, I mean, yeah, things are looking pretty done around the league. Like, it's at, like, a weird flux point right now where yeah, the Avalanche have a huge game against Vegas to determine who's going to win the division, essentially, but not a lot of other teams have that right now. Some teams have playoff previews like against the team they're going to be playing, but not a whole lot to talk about. But the big thing to talk about in the NHL is Connor McDavid. Yeah, it's a pretty safe bet every season to say that McDavid's going to win the Art Ross, but to do it the way he's doing it this season is crazy. It's absurd. It's not fair. Connor McDavid on Saturday night hit 100 points in 53 games. And some people have the audacity to call it, oh, he's in the North Division. Who cares, man? Who cares? Connor McDavid just hit 100 points in 53 games and some people's first reaction is to try to be like well it doesn't count it does it's mcdavid he's very good and yes the north isn't very good at defense but how does that take away from this that we have not seen this we don't see this in the modern era and it's just it people love to dunk on the north division yes it's defense is bad okay but come on, 100 points in 53 games. That is incredible for this era of hockey. And if your first reaction is to dunk on it, you don't like hockey, I'm going to assume, and you hate fun. Just in, just enjoy the thing in front of you. The next closest is Leon Dreisaitl at 
79 points. He's a whole 21 points behind his own line mate. This is special. What he's doing is special. I mean, Marner, 67 points. So the next closest guy not on his team is Mitch Marner, and he is an entire 33 points behind him. And McDavid still has three games to play. He might hit like 105. Like if he goes off in those final three games, like he might be approaching 110, which is crazy. Like what is the stat? Like in his last whatever amount of games, he has scored three plus points in like almost all of them in like six or seven of them. This guy's crazy. I mean... As much as I want McKinnon to get love for the heart this season, it's McDavid. It's And it should be McDavid pretty much every year. He's the most valuable player in the league. The Oilers are still somehow not one of the best teams in the league, even with this guy on their, on their team. He's going to win the heart. And you still got all these people who are like, oh, well, defense and McDavid's defense is much better this year. Thank you very much there's no debate to be had about the heart. Like, people are just want to be different. Like, Rob Rossi was like, oh, well, Crosby did this with the Penguins this season. He should be... No, he, no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't deserve the heart. McDavid does. You can put Crosby on your ballot, but to put him above McDavid is insanity, and that should not ever happen. Like, McDavid should be winning the heart for pretty much every season. He's the most valuable player... No no matter how you define it, most valuable players to his team, most valuable player in the league, or if you're just one of those people that defines the heart as best player in the league, he's all three of those. So it doesn't matter. The whole conversation is essentially pointless anyway. So unless McDavid is hurt, there's really no reason not to give it to him pretty much every year at this point. Like that that's an incredible accomplishment. I like I doubt even he is going to hit 100 points that fast again. But who knows? Maybe he might. He's still just 24 years old. Maybe if he hits his prime, he might be hitting 100 points in 40 games. Like who knows with this guy? Like I remember like it was like 3 weeks ago he was at like 70 points. And we like the people who were talking about it earlier in the season are like, "Oh, it's not going to happen now." And then he scored what? Like 33 points in like 11 games. And now he's just at 100 points, like, in a blink of an eye. It's crazy. And I can't believe that some people just, like, want to take away from it. Like, oh, he played in the Canadian division. Okay. He still scored 100 points in the Canadian division. I don't see anyone else doing that or even coming close to it. No one else has even hit 75. But you're telling me it doesn't count because he has to play Vancouver and Ottawa. Okay, well, if you look at the West that the Avalanche play in, we've had to play, like, the Sharks and the Ducks, and the Kings, and Arizona, those teams aren't very good, but like, you're not seeing McKinnon coming up on 100 points, but you go to the the East, that's oh, a better division than the North, objectively, like New Jersey and Buffalo is still there, you don't see even like Crosby or Ovechkin or any of those, Marchand, you don't see them even approaching like 80 at this point, McDavid's the best player in the league, we don't need to overthink this anymore. So it's crazy to me. He, he hit 100 and he still has three games to play. He can just do whatever he wants in those games. I believe they're against Vancouver too, or most of them are. I'd have to look at the, the Oilers schedule, but I believe they still, yeah, okay. So they have two games against Montreal and like one against Vancouver after that. So he, he might 
come close to 110. It, m- it might be a lot to ask to get 10 points in three games, but I'm not counting out anything with McDavid. The guy is just, he's the best player in the league right now. And it's a shame that we don't appreciate him because the Oilers are still bad. They're not they're not bad this season, but they're, they're not what they should be. The Oilers should be a perennial, perennial President's Trophy contender and Stanley Cup contender. They should not be at 68 points this season and 12th in the league. That's just sad that they can't even do that with this guy. Like, people are like, oh, he hasn't won a cup yet or been to the conference final yet or anything. Like, okay, does that take away from what he's doing right now? Like, you look at when the Oilers lost to the Blackhawks in the qualifying round last year. McDavid scored nine points in five games. How could you possibly even lump him into blaming him for losing that series? How could you possibly even consider for a moment that any of the Oilers' struggles can even be remotely credited to Connor McDavid? It is one of the biggest failures I've ever seen in this sport that the the success of the Oilers is ever in question with this guy on their team and with Dreisaitl to back him up. That just shows how poorly this team was built, and that should not reflect poorly on McDavid because that's not his fault. He would be doing this if he was drafted by Buffalo in the first round or Toronto or whoever was hanging around in that draft lottery in 2015. It doesn't matter. The guy deserves his credit whether he has won a cup or not, or even if he ever wins a cup. It's the Oilers. You never know. So give McDavid the credit he's due, and I think that's enough of my rant about appreciating McDavid for now. But I think that's going to be it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at NHL and follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time after we've wrapped up the game against Vegas and probably one more against the Kingswell, but mostly that game against Vegas because that will pretty much determine how important that game against the Kings even is. So hope you guys enjoy the game and enjoy the first half of your week, and I will talk to you then.